We're here to worship God this morning, and Talia's going to come up and lead us in prayer. Talia, come on up and lead us as we continue to worship God. Talia is our spiritual life coordinator and has done such a great job uh, doing that for us this year. Thanks, Talia. Hi, everyone. Good morning. Um, thank you so much for allowing us to worship with you guys. We, um, as an Unveiled team, we just really enjoy working together and honestly just bringing a kind of a new style to praise wherever we go. Um, so let's go ahead and get this kicked off by your heads. Father God, thank you so much for this time together. Lord, you have brought every single one of us here for a reason. And I pray that, Lord, through this time, you get us closer to you, more connected to you. And more importantly, we just really open our eyes and our hearts and our mind to what you have to say to us, Lord. I pray that you just allow your spirit to fill this place and fill in our hearts and where we may have hurts, we may have worries. Lord, I pray that you take that away and we just completely immerse ourselves into your word and into your love, Father God. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Talia. All right. Well, as you know, this semester we are reading the Bible with Jesus. Look at these overlooked Old Testament stories and seeing how, what it looks like to get to know God through these Old Testament stories. And we've been having fun. Last week, Steffi brought such a good word about Hagar and Ishmael and the God who sees us in our affliction and how we see God as we obey him. And now we're going to the whole other end of the Old Testament, almost to the very end, where we, oh, thanks, um, where, where we see uh, these, these 12 books. They're called the Minor Prophets. And we're going to the book of Amos today. I bet you haven't read Amos too much recently, many of us. And we're going to look at Amos. These are, it's one of the Minor Prophets. They're called the Minor Prophets just because they're shorter. <laughs> they're shorter than Isaiah or Jeremiah or Ezekiel. Nothing makes them less important. Actually, Amos' claim to fame is Amos is the, the oldest of the written prophets. So the first one of all the written prophets is Amos, written around 750 B.C. That, that's the time when Amos was written. And he was written, it was a message to the northern kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, from this guy Amos. And Amos is, is a, a sheep herder, a cattle. He takes care of cattle. He, on the side, he, he dresses sycamore fig trees, you know, takes care of the trees. And this is what he does down in Judah. And now he's coming up. God's given him a word to come up to the northern kingdom of Israel and bring this warning. Amos is right in line with, with all the, the tradition of the prophets. The prophets in the Bible do, do this main thing. They listen to God and they deliver a message from God to the people. And primarily, what we see in the Bible is we see in the Old Testament, this, the message is one of warning because the people of God are having two major problems. You know the two major problems, two major sins of the Old Testament? One is idolatry. You can say idolatry. idolatry. The other is injustice. Can you say injustice? Idolatry and injustice, the two major sins of the Old Testament that God continues to call out through these prophets. Stop worshiping other gods. Stop committing injustice and perpetuating evil by, by unjustly uh, persecuting and pushing down those who are already down. Those are the two things, and Amos is right in that line of those prophets. But his focus is a little less on the idolatry. It's there a little bit, but more focus on injustice. We're going to hear this word from Amos today, a word that's challenging, been challenging me as I've been looking at it, and I think will also be challenging to all of us here. Amos starts out his message in something that the people of Israel probably would have liked. He starts out by looking at all these other countries, the countries that are around them, their enemies, and saying God's message of condemnation to them. God's message of saying, look what these, other, these countries have done. Damascus, Gaza, Tyre, Edom, Ammon, Moab. 
Amos starts by condemning them for actually for unnecessary war crimes. For the ways they were, they were too brutal in the way when they, they took lands or had fought wars. Amos says, God's going to judge these nations for what they've done. And you can imagine the people of Israel saying, oh, yeah, those pagans. You know, look at them. Yeah, they don't know what they're doing. And then actually from there, chapter 2, it switches not just to those pagan nations around, but actually to the people of Judah. This, this, this stepbrother who 200 years earlier had broken off Israel and, and Judah had broken off, and now Judah is condemned. Amos says Judah also is going to be condemned by God because they have not followed God's law, even though they should have known it. And again, you can imagine Israel saying, yeah. But then chapter 2, verse 6 happens. And Amos looks, instead of pointing out there, look at all those, all those people who don't get it. Now he looks right at them, right at us. And he says, now for your sins, the ways you have not lived rightly with God, you're going to be judged. And then for the next seven and a half chapters, he lights up Israel and tells them the ways that they have not lived rightly before God and warns them, it calls them, say, come back and live the way you were meant to live. And the focus, as I said, is on justice. Justice. What is justice in the Bible? It's really simply, justice is setting things right. Or the UK version is setting things to rights. Setting things to rights. Things right in the world. Right relationship with God, right relationship with each other in a way that provides for the flourishing of all. The flourishing of all. That's justice. Right relationships that provide for the flourishing of all. And Amos is saying, you all are not living justly, and so God is not happy with what you're doing. Well, the question is, why is it that, that Israel is being so uh, called out? Why is it? And we see in chapter 3, I think, a glimpse of this, a really clear picture of this. It's actually throughout. But here in chapter 3, it's up there. It says this. Amos says, Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O people of Israel, against the whole family that I brought up out of the land of Egypt. You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. Why is it that, that Amos is calling out Israel? Why is it God told Amos to go do this? Because they're supposed to know God. They say they know God, and God has revealed himself to them. God rescued them out of Egypt. It's incredible, unbelievable transformation we're hearing about later this semester. God pulling them out. God said earlier that God defeated the Amorites, these giant warriors no one could beat. God has sent them prophets and leaders, and yet... They're not living right. They're not living the way that God wants them to, but they're supposed to know God. In other words, the, the Amos is saying, these people say they know God with their lips. I love God. I love God. But the, the rest of their being isn't following suit. It's only lip service. And we know what lip service is by itself. It's just a bunch of hot air. And Amos is calling him out saying, all you're doing is full of hot air. Air is coming out saying you love God, saying you know God, but I don't see it. The whole book of Amos, I hope you go, I hope you go read it today. Go read it or go start it today and read it this week. Little by little, enjoy and, and listen and see what you have. We're going to jump to chapter 5 
And, and see here, right in the center of this book, what is it specifically that, that Amos is condemning in this people he sees? We're going to pick it up in verse 11. Therefore, because you trample on the poor and take from them levies of grain and have built houses of hewn stone, but you shall not live in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink their wine. For I know how many are your transgressions and how great are your sins. You afflict the righteous. You take a bribe and push aside the needy in the gate. Here's a picture of what's happening in Israel. Trampling on the poor, taxing them, taking the grain from the poor so that you can have a nice, comfortable living, a comfortable life. Taking bribes from those who can offer it, those who have money, and pushing down those who don't have money to bribe those in power. Earlier, Amos had said that they're selling people, the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, that they're, they're taking people's garments and in pledge, in debt, in debt service, they're taking people's garments so they don't have a blanket to go to sleep at night. This is what's happening in Israel right now. The vulnerable and the poor and the needy are being pushed down further and further by those who have, and they're, the ones who have are getting more and more. Amos goes on in chapter 5 and says, Seek good and not evil, that you may live. And so the Lord God of hosts will be with you, just as you have said. Hate evil and love good and establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord will be gracious to the remnants of Joseph. Seek good and not evil. See, Amos is pointing out to these people, you say you know God, but yet you've forgotten what God is actually like. You forgot what God is like. See, the God of the Bible, the God of the Old Testament, is God made known and throughout the New Testament as well. From beginning to end, God is a God of justice. Psalm 33, 5 says, The Lord loves justice and righteousness. The earth is full of the, un of the unfailing love of the Lord. The, the Lord loves justice. And so when we don't care about justice, we're not actually living rightly with God. So Amos goes on, and this is at the end of this passage in five, chapter 5. This is probably, if you've ever heard anything from Amos, this is probably what you've heard. We'll start in verse 21 about the, the, the worship of these people. God says, I hate, I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals, I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. This last verse, this is, this is the one, let's, let's read this one together. But let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Justice and righteousness. In Hebrew, mishpat and sedekah. In German, recht and gerechtigkeit. In Espanol, derecho y la justicia. Justice and righteousness. Across the world, in every language, God is a God who loves justice and righteousness. Things to be right with God and right with each other in the flourishing of all things. But let justice roll down like waters. You see, Amos is saying, you're... Lips are saying it. You're doing the religious things, the offerings. You're saying, I love God, I love God. But the body isn't matching it. The body's not following suit with the mouth. And so it's empty. It's meaningless. 
It's not real worship. It's not real communion with God. It's not real relationship with God. It's actually just words. Because God is a God who loves justice and righteousness, and he's shown that in, in his law he gave to us. This is what it looks like to live as the people of God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus summed it up, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is the way God made us to live as humans. This is the way we are meant to live when we know God. But now here's the problem and the confession, right? I don't do it. I don't love my neighbor as myself. I don't really seek justice the way I should and want to and know God wants. I don't do it. I let myself go go with the flow of systemic injustice in our world. I turn my blind eye. I I decide I choose ignorance. Or I just choose myself and put myself in front of others so many different ways. I don't do it. And neither did Israel. 30 years later, at this time, after this time of prosperity, the golden age when Amos was proclaiming, guys, repent, turn back. 30 years later, Assyria comes in, overthrows them. They go into exile. Israel's done. It's over. They didn't listen. Or maybe they couldn't listen. I know what I'm supposed to do, but I don't know how to do it. And here's where we need a new word. We need a new word, a word from Jesus. See, Jesus read Amos. He would know this verse. He would know this God's call to let justice roll down like waters. But he also knew that we couldn't do it on our own. And so every week when we come to the table here, we pick up that cup. And we say, well, this is the cup of the new covenant. The new way of relating with God, a new way where God gives us a new heart. A new way of being with God. And Jesus, in, in John 14 Just after he's told them, love one another as I have loved you. That's something we can't do. That's seeking justice. Loving each other as God has loved us, as Jesus loved us. And then he says this. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give to you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth, the one whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I'm coming to you. You see, Jesus knows we can't do it on our own. We can't live just We can't love God and love our neighbor the way we're meant to. We can't do it. And so he comes to us. And he comes and brings us another advocate, the one who comes alongside, the counselor, the comforter, to come alongside us and lead us into this way of justice and righteousness one step at a time. It's not, weight, it's not on our shoulders, but when we know God, God knows us. and He comes and says, I'm going to breathe life into that stiff body. Breathe life where there wasn't life, and things are going to start moving. Y'all can come on up. Last year, I, I, did, I did Bloomsday. It's my tradition to do Bloomsday each year, and I, it's always just fun for me. And I, I went out, and I, I did Bloomsday. Oh, too early, too early, Aiden, too early. And uh, Aiden, too early. <laughs> Thank you. So I was at Bloomsday, and, and, and I didn't train as well as I should have, and, but still went out at this aggressive pace. I, I thought I, could, I think I could do this. I think I can set a PR. So I go out at this aggressive pace. First three miles, doing great. 
About mile three, I see someone I recognize. Like, hey, that's Matt Silvers, our health science professor here. Silvers, how are you? He's like, I'm doing all right. I'm like, hey, keep it up, man. You're doing great. And I, I passed him and kept going on my pace. Got to keep my pace, right? <laughs> I'm not saying that rudely. I just, uh, I was just, I had a pace. I had a goal. I was focused, all right? So I'm on, I'm on the way. And about mile five and a half, I just hit the wall. I mean, I'm dead. I'm done. I'm losing it. I'm thinking, I'm going to have to start walking. I, I'm not going to be able to keep running right now. And right about the time, I hear someone behind me, Forrest, Silvers. <laughs> Forrest, how are you? I'm dying, man. I'm dying. He says, hey, I got you. For the next mile, mile and a half, Matt Silvers emotionally takes me on his shoulders and carries me. <laughs> Forrest, I got you. Stay right here. Stay with me. Stay with me. You're doing great. You're going to make it. We're going to do this together. I got you. We got this. I couldn't do it on my own. And Silvers came alongside and said, I got you. I'll take you there. And he took me down. Now you can show. He took me down to the last turn, that very last turn, right before the end. I said, Silvers, you go. I was dying. You can see, if you can see my face right there, it's not exactly a face of joy. <laughs> I was dying, but I made it because Matt brought me, he came alongside and took me there. If we say we know God, that's right, Gabriel's good, huh? <laughs> I, was, I was hurting. We say we know God with our lips. God says, your lives are meant to match that in just living. And the God who calls us to that just living says, I will not leave you as an orphan. I will come to you alongside you, actually within you, the spirit of Jesus to lead us forward into this life that is flourishing for us and for the whole world, that just living we were made for. Let's stand and worship that God with our lips and with our hearts. If we stand. Jesus came and fulfilled all righteousness. He took the injustice of the world on himself, hung it on a cross, condemned it once and for all, and raised to life that we could be people who live not in shame and guilt for our lack of justice, but live empowered by the spirit of truth, who empowers us to be the people of God, who go from this place, joining him and his work in this world, that one day, by his grace, by his spirit, and using us as a part of it, that justice would roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Go and serve your part in his good work as his beloved children. Go in peace.